You're tuned to The Big One, AM 1280, WBIG, Aurora, Naperville. God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus Christ, he is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people, and he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and he is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you It knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We'll hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding the topics of being strong in God's grace, and in the second half hour, the topic of is eternal life eternal? Let's start off with this song, Listen to the Sound by Building 429. Lift it up 
What is it to be strong in grace? And where is that grace found? If you have a Bible handy and you'd like to read along, I'm going to begin here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace is God's favor toward you and I. Grace cannot be earned, nor can it be bought. God's grace is a blessing to his people because of his great love for people. Grace is what God has done for us, not what we have done for him in order to to move God to show his grace towards us or his favor towards us. Here in Timothy, he is encouraged to be strong in grace. Where is that grace found? It is in Christ Jesus. Grace is not found in my good works or my standing in the eyes of the world. It is the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is it to be in Christ Jesus? To be in Christ Jesus is to be at rest within all that has been accomplished in Christ for each of us. In Christ, there is no more struggle to be righteous before the Father. In Christ is to be living the life of fellowship with God that Jesus Christ came to make available. To be strong in that grace is to live what the Father has already given. It's not a someday future thing. It's not when I have all my bills paid, then I'll be able to live for God. It's not when I have a loving spouse, then I'll be able to live for God. It's not when I lose weight, then I'll be able to live for God. It's not when I finally finish school and have my degree, then I'll be able to live for God. It's not when others recognize me for my ability, then I'll be able to live for God. It's none of those things. They are all distractions to keep us living in the someday mode, which will never, never come into fruition. Today, today be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. To be strong here is to be strengthened. It's the strength that is found in the Spirit of God that lives within an individual. It's not the type of strength where I muster up the courage by emotionally whipping myself into a frenzy. It's not physical strength and prowess. It's not strength based on confidence in earthly titles, money, or position. This strength is found in believing what God says is yours in the salvation found in Christ. We are to be strengthened in the inherent strength we have by God's grace, which is found in all that Christ has accomplished for us. Be strengthened in God's favor toward you, which is found in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes it's almost as if Jesus Christ wasted his life, the way some Christians condemn themselves, judge others, and act as if they must be perfect in their behavior before God will ever answer their prayer or be gracious towards them. Grace eliminates your works as a requirement from God to be strengthened with might that is found in Christ Jesus. We begin to accept God's divine favor when we live in Christ. What is it to live in Christ? To live in Christ is to love God and worship Him only. To live in Christ is to love others with the love of God. 
To live in Christ is to do the same works as Jesus Christ did, such as heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. To live in Christ is to accept the righteousness with which God has clothed each of us. It is to boldly proclaim the light of God's word where darkness threatens to prevail. To live in Christ is to be strengthened in the grace which is found in Christ Jesus. A thought that comes to my mind when I was going through this stuff is is the word self-preservation. Self-preservation is to behave in a way which seeks to protect your own interests with the fear that someone may hurt you or take advantage of you. Self-preservation is selfishness. Self-preservation has an attitude of, well, what's in it for me? When we are living in Christ Jesus, being strengthened by God's grace, then there are no thoughts, no concerns of others misusing your kindness. Does God withhold his love and grace from you or I or from anyone? Even when mankind so often acts contrary to his desire and his will? No, he freely gives all that he has to give. It says in Ephesians that you and I are to be imitators of God. To be an imitator of God is to live the grace and the love that is reproduced in us through Christ. This verse here in 2 Timothy that we read is, I know it's addressed to ministers of God's word, yet it can apply in the life of any Christian, not just those that are ministers. We all are to be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Let's look at uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians has some wonderful verses regarding being strong in the grace of God. We'll start here in verse 1. Therefore, and that therefore is on account of the return of Jesus Christ, and that we look to his return, knowing that we have eternal life, and that we will have a new spiritual body. That's the closing of chapter 3 there in Philippians. So back to verse 1, Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crowned, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. It says here to stand fast in the Lord. Don't waver, don't doubt, don't fear, but rather be strong in grace. Verse 2. I beseech Odeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Here is an encouragement for these two believers, Odeus and Syntyche, to have the same mind in the Lord. What is it to have the same mind? It's to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is to think the word of God and to have no division within the fellowship of believers. You know, that verse could have been written today. Unfortunately, there is much division within the fellowship of the believers today because of not having the mind of Christ. It's amazing how many believe that they have the corner on truth. Knowledge often has been vaunted above love and being strong in God's grace. Knowledge for knowledge's sake will always puff up an individual, causing them to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. Knowledge without love will result in selfishness, promote division, 
and it beats down the heart of others with discouragement. In contrast to that, though, walking in love and being strong in God's grace will enable the one with knowledge to be a blessing. That one would be one who reconciles, encourages, and builds up the church. Continuing in Philippians 4, verse 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. It instructs us here to assist those who labor in the gospel. We are the fellow laborers. We are the ones, strong in God's grace, whose names are written in the book of life. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. We are to rejoice in the Lord. Being critical and complaining, well, that's not rejoicing. We rejoice because we are thankful for all our Heavenly Father has done for us. We recognize our true calling in Christ, and we refuse to give place to the adversary in our thinking. Verse 5 Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. That literally means, I don't have to have my way. It's not all about me. Let your moderation be known. In other words, be considerate and yielding in insignificant matters. What a wonderful way to live. Verse 6, be careful. And that word careful is better translated anxious. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We are to bring our requests to God. There is no need for us to ever be anxious, no matter what the circumstances we might find ourselves in. God has already provided all that is needed. Jesus Christ, he is a complete Savior. When you are strong in God's grace, you recognize that God has already supplied. You literally just walk right into it with no doubt, no worry, no fear, and thankfully accept the grace provided. In the grace of God, that is where we find the answered prayer. When we are strong in God's grace, we believe and trust that God provides. The result of not being anxious and in giving it all to God is shown here in the next verse, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God that is that which guards our heart and our mind. When we have the peace of God in our heart, we don't get all shook about the circumstances of life or the judgment and the comments of others. Living in the peace of God is being strengthened in His grace. Verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. If ever... We wondered where our thoughts should be. Here it is. Think that which is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, 
and of good report. It's in God's Word that we find those wonderful attributes. The world, well, it will offer words that are false, dishonest, unjust, contaminated, and evil. We make the choice daily which we will hold in our minds. Words from God or words from the world. When we are strong in God's grace, we hold on to God's word in our thinking, in our mind. Verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul's example here in the epistles in the book of Acts of being strong in God's grace, it is our exhortation. The result being, the God of peace is with you. Verse 10 goes on in Philippians 4, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also mindful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul here is stating that he had learned that no matter what circumstance of life he found himself in, whether he had great abundance or had very little, he was content. In verse 11, this literally means that he was self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Paul had found great strength in God's grace. His heart rested in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. He knew what Christ was unto him. He lived a peaceful life in the midst of hellish circumstances. And in Corinthians and in Acts, you can read of some of the beatings and abuse that Paul encountered. Paul goes on to say here in verse 13, I can do, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul could do all things that God had called him to do. He looked to God and he had no fear. He recognized that it was God's grace that enabled him to live the life he lived. Paul was strong in God's grace, the grace which is found in Christ Jesus. You and I, we find our strength in the grace of God which is found in Christ Jesus.
Everyone could just look right in. Though I tried and I tried to disguise my sin. Well, your love came anyway. Mind full of trouble, heart full of doubt. Lost in some puzzle with no way out. Though not one cry for mercy came from my mouth. Well, your love came anyway. Now I can say. To the man with a broken heart 
All your best laid plans are just coming apart He'll raise you from the ashes, give you a brand new start Cause his love came anyway I know trust is hard to come by, seems like love can be deceiving I'm not talking about the ways of the world No, I'm talking about a new way where you were dead and then you've been raised And you sing his praise to every boy and girl Well, I never thought I'd find myself in that place Dead to sin and singing his praise With his love in my eyes and his glory on my face But his love came anyway Here in uh, this next segment, I'd like to look at the topic, Is Eternal Life Eternal? Yesterday, while listening to the radio, I was uh, listening to a debate between two respected theologians, uh, both teachers at different seminary schools, and they were debating whether or not if one can lose eternal life. One of the two believed you could, and the other one believed that you couldn't, and as they went on in the discussion, and they gave various statistics out as well, it appears that well over 60-70% of individuals that call themselves Christians believe that once they are saved, that they could then lose that salvation later based on some type of a sin or action they might take, or even inaction. So I thought we should really look at the Scriptures to see well, what does God's Word say about eternal life? And let's start out here in the Gospel of John, if you've got your Bible handy. Uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we'll read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. These two verses here in the Gospel of John are extremely clear. God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have everlasting or eternal life. Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Let's take a look there, because here in these verses we're going to see what is needed to receive this eternal life that became available in Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's it. To receive eternal life, all that one needs to do is to confess Jesus as Lord of their life. To say, Jesus, you are now Lord. 
I've been Lord for the last 20, 30, 50, 70 years, however long it might have been. But now I want to make you Lord because I can't do it myself. No human being in and of themselves and their own ability, their own good works, can save themselves. If they could, then Jesus Christ's life was a waste, <laughs> literally. He came so that men and women could receive eternal life. He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that he might save men and women that would believe on him as their substitute upon the cross. If it was any more complicated than that, you know what? Every single one of us would fall short. None of us would receive eternal life. God made it as simple as possible because we were born into this world with a nature contrary to God because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden many thousands of years ago. And that very nature that we are born into, the sin nature, only a perfect sinless man could redeem mankind from that nature. Jesus Christ, he is that perfect sinless man that did what God had called him to do. He is the only one that's ever been raised from the dead. There is no other. So the second half of that verse is to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, which he did. 2 Corinthians, let's look over here in chapter 5, verse 21. And it goes on here in this verse to maybe further a little further explain a little more the, the background behind Jesus Christ as our substitute. It says, For he, God, has made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. And that for means in place of, is another translation of it, who, Jesus, knew no sin. And that word know there means to know by experience. Jesus Christ did not know sin by experience. He was a perfect man. He was a sinless man. Continuing in verse 21, the purpose being that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ, he was made to be sin for you and me. He paid the penalty for our sin. Not only the nature that we received in our first birth because of what Adam did, but also the fruit of that nature by dying on the cross. He is a complete Savior. What sin could you or I commit that was not laid upon Jesus Christ? If there is one, if just one sin that we could commit that wasn't laid upon him, then Jesus is not a complete Savior. I can tell you I would not want to lay that at God's feet and tell him he didn't do a good enough job when he gave his son for mankind. Ephesians chapter 2, let's read verses 4 through 9. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. We read here in these couple verses that God has great mercy and great love for people, all people. When we were dead in sins, he made us alive by the work of Jesus Christ. It is by God's grace, God's favor, that any man or woman or child is saved. Your works, my works, mean absolutely nothing in the context of receiving eternal salvation. 
So in light of that, is it possible that after God has done a mighty work in you by placing his spirit within you, that now you or I can reverse his work by some sin we might commit? No, it's just not possible. Let's continue to read on here in verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What work did we do to earn our seat in the heavenlies? It's foolish of me to even ask the question. It's the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. That is our entry into heavenly places. Verse 7 here in Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith or believing, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We read here so very clear that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It is not of our own works. I suppose that if it had been by our own works that we received eternal life, then, you know, we could also then lose it by our works. We could lose that salvation, that eternal life. But it's not by our works. Thank God that is not the case. Our salvation is in Christ alone. It is by God's grace that we have eternal life. It is not by your work nor by my work. It is the work of God through his beloved son, Jesus. That is the great work that saves mankind. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's read verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We are born again, not of corruptible seed. Our first birth, that was corruptible seed. We are born uh, by the word of God, which is an incorruptible seed. It doesn't decay, doesn't fade away. It's everlasting. It's eternal. When we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we received, you received, the Spirit of God. That Spirit of God, it is incorruptible seed. It is eternal life. That first birth, that was corruptible. If the Lord does not return in our lifetime, well, we die and we're in the grave until his return. That's the corruptible first birth, our flesh. It decays, it dies. Our second birth, born again, that's eternal life spirit. It's incorruptible and it lives forever. We are God's children. We have eternal life. There is no work that you or I can do to undo the work of salvation, which God has done through Christ. There's not much to debate, really. It's impossible to lose eternal life once we have received the Spirit from God the Father. So, in that debate that I listened to yesterday on the radio, is eternal life eternal? Yes, <laughs> it's eternal, because eternal is forever. You can't lose it. If you could, Jesus Christ was not a complete Savior. And you and I know better. Jesus Christ is a complete Savior 
He did all that was required of God. He said, It is finished when he hung on the cross. What was finished? Our redemption, our salvation. The mission that God had sent him to complete was finished, was completed. And then God, three days later, three nights later, showed his approval on the life of Jesus Christ by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And then after that, he ascended into heaven. He's seated at God's right hand. Ten days after that was the day of Pentecost. And that was the day when God poured out his spirit upon people who believed in the substitution of Jesus Christ, making Jesus Christ as Lord of their life and believing that God raised him from the dead. When God poured out that Holy Spirit, God had what he desired from the very beginning, children, men and women who would love him, who would have his spirit, people who he could communicate with, who he could talk to, and who would talk back with him. That's a loving, gracious Heavenly Father. If it was of our own works, none of us would ever be able to do it, not only because of the works, but because of the very nature that we inherited through Adam. So is eternal life eternal? Yes, absolutely. And I praise God for that. In Jesus' name, everything will change. In Jesus' name, everything will change.
retirement? As an Ameriprise Financial Advisor, Mark Yackey can help with the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Mark Yackey, Certified Financial Planner today at 630-955-1400. Office is located at 2323 Naperville Road, Suite 150, Naperville, Illinois. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor.
This Day's For You. That's Scott Powell. What a great song. I thought that we'd close the show out here and, and look at a few different verses about the return of Jesus Christ. And, you know, one of the reasons I want to do that is uh, over the past seven, eight days, I've had at least uh, four different friends and or relatives or relatives of a friend that have passed away. And I wanted to sort of look at the topic of the return of Jesus Christ and uh, sort of what happens when someone d- does die, when someone does pass away. And First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 13 is where I'd like to start. It says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So in, right there in that first verse, God does not want us to be ignorant. If he doesn't want us to be ignorant regarding this topic, it means that he wants us to know. And he's going to tell us here. And notice also he refers to death as sleep. The reason it's sleep is because the dead will be raised again someday. And or gathered together at the return of Jesus Christ, which we'll read about here in a moment. And notice too it says that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Because we have a hope. We have the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. He's going to come back. And when he does, the dead will be raised. Let's continue to read on here in verse 14. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those which are dead in Christ, in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. So right there, verse 15 is such a wonderful verse because that is our great hope, the return of Jesus Christ. We which are alive and remain, there will be people alive that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. And it says, we shall not precede them which are asleep. Well, what does that mean? The next couple verses explain that. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, verse 17, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, he's going to be in the clouds, he's going to be in the sky, and there's going to be a trumpet, and there is going to be a shout from the archangel, and those that are dead in Christ shall rise first. So those who were born again, which we talked a little bit about that, about eternal life, those who believed in Jesus Christ, uh, that God raised him from the dead, those who confessed him as Lord, received the Spirit of God, those are the ones that are dead in Christ if they've fallen asleep. It says they shall rise first. Then we which are alive, you and I, those that are still alive when the Lord returns, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort that is. We don't sorrow as the world sorrows. The world sorrows because someone dies. They think that's the last time they'll ever see him. It's over with. Uh, there's no hope. God's people, that's not the case. For God's people, we have a hope. We have the hope of the return of Jesus Christ couple more verses. I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here. It talks a little bit more about the return. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. And once again, just as before in Thessalonians, he didn't want us to be ignorant, and so he instructed us. And here in verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15, he's going to show us a mystery. Well, it, it won't be a mystery anymore after he tells us about it. He says here, we shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all be dead, but we shall all be changed. And that change is a change of a very radical kind. Verse 52 describes that change. And 53, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, those that are still alive, shall be changed. For this corruptible, those that have died in Christ, must put on incorruption, and this mortal, those that are alive when the Lord returns, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Verse 55. O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a tremendous victory we have. Eternal life, a new body, a new mind, uh, no more sin, no more tears, no more sickness. What a tremendous victory we have to look forward to. Verse 58, In light of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we have the hope of the return of Jesus Christ alive and real and burning in our heart, we can't help but live for God because we know that this 30, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life here on earth, that is not all there is. There's eternity. 
And what we do during this time here determines that future rewards that will be available when the Lord returns, future responsibilities, and so forth. I know you, as well as myself, desire to live for God, desire to to do what he would have us to do, to speak his word, to love people with his love, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, like it says in the Gospels, to raise the dead, to speak in tongues. We desire to do the will of the Lord. We're to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. And that abounding is just above and beyond in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor, and that word labor means hard work resulting in fatigue, is not in vain. It's not empty as to the results in the Lord. It will be very, very profitable because the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely going to return someday. That is our great hope. God has given that to the Christian believer to look forward to, and that's what enables us to stand in the circumstances of this life. You know, sometimes it doesn't look like a Christian is very victorious. Uh, There's persecution all around the world. Uh, The United States, well, it's, it's not as bad as it is in other countries around the world, but it certainly eventually, maybe, will be. I don't know. Uh, The Lord could return tonight. He might not return for another week. It might be 100 years, whatever it might be. But no matter what the circumstance we might find ourselves in, we can stand for God in that circumstance knowing that we have the final victory. The final victory being the return of Jesus Christ. That's why we can boldly love people. We can boldly speak God's word without fear because we know that God loves us We know that we're his children, that we have eternal life. So that's just an important reminder for us, you know, as the things that we have to deal with day to day. Sometimes it's not always the most pleasing, not always the most enjoyable, but surely, no matter what the circumstance, we can still have joy and strength because we have the great hope of the return to look forward to. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. All of the Solution Radio shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links there to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there's a page for some upcoming events. We've got a couple of them listed there. October 17th and 18th, there's going to be a weekend in God's Word on the topic of experiencing the goodness of God. That'll be at Grace Christian Fellowship here in Naperville. And then also on November 13th, uh, there's a men's night of fellowship at the Compass Church in Naperville. And at that men's fellowship, Super Bowl champion and brother in Christ, Don Beebe, will be there. He'll be there to share his heart and life. There will be information on the website for both of those events. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. We'll play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Uh, Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. And due to the wonders of modern technology, we do have listeners in over 40 countries around the world on the, the replay on the Internet. And new this week, we have people listening in the Bahamas and in Norway. Uh, The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. All donations are tax-deductible. We thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is 
The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. That's P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Some of the underwriters for the show and advertisers, the Carter Group with offices in Chicago, Dallas, and Minneapolis, Integrity Mortgage and Financial in Colorado Springs, Colorado, John's Handyman Service in Aurora, Naperville, Wasatch Technology in Naperville, Morningstar Computer Training and Consulting in Naperville, and Ameriprise also in Naperville. Thank you to our engineer and production support today, Bill Albecker. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best. Information and talk for the Fox Valley. The big one, AM 1280 WBIG, Aurora, Naperville.